Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Diamonds Hello. are forever. <laughs> yes, they are. And oh, okay. Oh. All right. The penny will drop. Uh, and that's all I've got, incidentally. Not enough it's to a buy. Clever reference. Not enough to buy diamonds. To if, our guest this week. Yes, it is about our guest. And I, uh, welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Uh, mm. That's the female voice. Mm. I'm Kevin Hillier. I'm oh, the male thanks voice. Thanks for pointing that out. That's all right. I just thought I identify as the male voice. <laughs> <laughs> Careful where you go there. Uh, uh, Lost in the wash a little bit. Um, with the fact that we're hosting the Women's Soccer World Cup mm. is the fact that it's a Netball World Cup year. Yes. And it's being hosted in South Africa and Australia will probably win it. Yes, it's like the quad series, isn't it? And we it? should, yeah. So uh, we have a Netball superstar of the past joining us who still has a very big input into what's happening in netball today because these days she's on the coaching staff at the Vixens yes. and, and also runs the Vixens Talent Academy and is also involved in uh, one of the uh, big schools in Geelong in a, in a talent program that they've got going too. So Her name is Susan Meany. It is. And she also has some interesting food-related Claims to fame. She has she has a special skill that is uh, that is quite unique that you'll find out about yes. when we chat to her. But uh, Melbourne Vixens for 120 games played for Australia as, a, as an Australian mm. diamond and was captain of our uh, our Youth World Cup mm. side back in uh, in the mid 90s. So uh, a terrific sport as well Very as very down to earth lady yes. too. A lot of fun. All right, and our uh, food poll. Well, a lot of people didn't even realise there were two types of avocados, but we have put the Haas up against the Shepherd, and uh, people who love their avocados have very strong opinions about these two different varieties. Can I say avocados will would be, without a doubt, the hardest mm. thing to buy in a supermarket or a shopping centre. You can open the bowling for Australia with them, Kevin. You can. And now they've decided in their infinite wisdom in some of the supermarkets, I'm not sure which one it is exactly, I was reading about this the other day, to put little labels on them that say, mm. eat now. Yeah. In whose opinion? Because... <laughs> Because they're still rock hard. No, and I and or about I, to disintegrate. Yes, I will go through twenty to find one that mm. is that is on the either on the verge of being okay and will be all right by tomorrow or the day after, or have to eat it tonight. I know we're having okay. guacamole, Mexican food, so I'll get it. Do you ever wonder how many? Previous customers have uh, have squeezed their way through the avocado selection. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and I, I do think you start to feel like a doctor, a doctor in uh, you know the emergency yes. ward checking out the people for lumps and stuff. Okay, Trapper John, it's an interesting, interesting uh, little survey. This one, Hass or Shepherd? Shepherd. We'll find out. But first, let's get to Susan Meany. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Susan Meany, it's lovely to have you on uh, the podcast, and we're we're aware of your your sporting prowess. But uh, how do you shape up in the kitchen? Well, look, I'd love to talk myself up, but um, if I'm honest, it's probably a bit of a work in progress. Mm. Um, continues to be, I suppose. I've grown up being somebody who's probably grew up on the staple diet of meat and three veg, and having four very very busy active kids. It's something that's always pretty challenging, I think, to me, if I'm actually honest, in getting organised and being across everybody and obviously being across myself with where I'm at in life as a, as a very young middle-aged female um, and, you know, how I need to be feeling my body as well. Yeah. I love the stories of the, the meat and veg um, the childhoods growing up. Where did you grow up, uh, Susan? Give us a, a bit of a, a nostalgia trip. What was uh, What was on the table growing up? 
growing up, I grew up in uh, Grovedale, which was a booming suburb, um, sort of on the, um, I suppose it was sort of the Torquay side of Geelong. Um, changed a little bit sort of these days, but um, grew up there, um, had a single mum, um, Jeanette, who raised my brother and I, used to use uh, younger than I, we always used to have um, probably a lot of support from my grandmother, who's probably the real chef of the family. And um, things like shepherd's pie, cottage pie was really, really popular. Chow mein, um, those sorts of things, I suppose, you know, your casseroles, um, all those sorts of ones that are pretty easy, I suppose, to, to be able to support us growing up. And um, yeah, and then you moved into your your sitzels and your parties and your... I'm always got the steak. I'm a think I'm a carnival for a previous life, <laughs> to be honest. But, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, you know, and, and fruit. I was probably actually a really fussy eater as a child growing up through primary school. You, you'll laugh at this. Every day from prep through to pretty much grade six, I had a Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> Even when I had a lunch order, yeah. I had a Vegemite sandwich. Very, very Australian. Very, very good for you. Nothing wrong with yeah, Vegemite. I'd say, I'd, yeah, I'd, instead of sort of bagging the dime, I'd say that I was just very patriotic. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> were you uh, were you a sporty kid? Oh, absolutely. Grew up in a, the area that I was in was around the corner. There was um, one of the houses, which was like a boarding sort of family house for young Geelong Football Club recruits like David Cameron and Stephen Hooper, Adrian Fletcher, um, some of those ones that came through. So I probably learned to kick football before I learned to throw a netball and always outside till um, probably beyond the time of being too dark. The streetlights became our MCG um, and we would just continue to play, you know, whether it be footy or play, you know, bike chasey. Um, and going through the primary school years at Grove the West Primary was always very active, but always wanting to be participating in any sport that I could, whether it be um, or probably every parent's nightmare, really, logistically, uh, whether it was uh, athletics, cross-country, swimming, netball. Um, you know, mum used to work some pretty big hours to be able to support my brother and I. And um, as I progressed into the, the secondary years, he would be, um, you know, up and down to Melbourne probably two to three times a week, um, particularly as athletics and netball started to go further down their pathways and, um, you know, and, and and you do start to learn that food does become such a significant part of that big picture as you start to get through your teen years because as your body's changing and, you know, you do need to be fueling your body from a recovery perspective and, you know, growing and being able to be refueled, ready to go the next day was really important. How important um, is it to be a disciplined when you're a, an elite athlete? Because you're expending so much energy. So part of me thinks, you know, you're allowed to have a bit of a, a leave pass and have whatever you want, but at the same time, you've got to properly uh, fuel your, your body for the task. Yeah, look, there's always that, um, that theory that, you know, as your metabolism is quite high and efficient, um, you know, through your, probably your mid-20s, I'd have to say that in my 40s, that's probably not the case anymore. But, yeah, look, it's really important and that education probably starts um, for a lot of athletes around, you know, you know, that sort of teens, I guess late teens sort of on and being aware of that real important window of opportunity 20 minutes after having done a hard test training session or whether it be um, you've competed, that, you know, you really need to be refueling your body and you're looking at all different ways in which to refuel your body, um, you know, your proteins and, and the role that they play, your carbohydrate as well, whether it's in a fluid form, um, you know, it, it, it really does aid 
that refueling and that muscle repair and recovery process quite significantly. And, you know, yes, we can go out and eat probably as much as we want to eat um, of probably the fast food variety. And um, I'll put my hand up. I probably gave that a fair crack over the years. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting now. I've got a young daughter who's, you know, doing quite well in gymnastics and does a lot of hours a week and is representing a state moving on. She's only quite young and 12, just turning 12 today, actually. And, um, you know, you, it, it, all that training that I had and that knowledge I was able to acquire, which was, you know, I'm now able to use that um, to assist her and also put other people in place where I need more up-to-date advice as well um, as to how best support her because, I mean, she's like this morning, she's up training at, you know, 6.45 in the morning and then finishing at 9.30. So, you know, the importance of the meal the night before, what she has before training, um, what she has straight after for a young body as well. So, yeah, it is crucial. Uh, is it not true that you knew the uh, the Melways location of uh, every McDonald's store within a certain <laughs> parameter of Victoria? Absolutely. I think because, <laughs> and, and to be honest, that all started because I was such a fussy eater. Um, and I guess it was the old Junior Burger. I used to be able to, I could probably recite the menu um, and tell you the prices from back in the, the 80s, without giving my age away too much, um, the 80s. Um, there was a year I was very excited. They put out, remember the tray mats, the tray pieces of paper that they give to you if you wait in? Um, and they had a map of Australia with all of them. And I just took that home. <laughs> I was picking off. The ones that I'd been to around Australia when I was travelling with football or athletics. And, um, yeah, I'd have to say I, I was proud I got a VIP gold card one time. That was <laughs> a thing there for a while. I think you only got an extra small fries from drive through. It was a bit disappointing. But what about, know, Susan, was- did you uh, did you recite the um, the World Series uh, cricket uh, spiel and, and get your, your World no, Series I- cricket posters? Yeah, a little bit of that. But I can remember, you know, um, I'll have a big back to the big um Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, yeah. cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed. You know, did it within a certain period of time. Um, but there was the other one that would have a big mac, quarter pound of filler fish, and cheese, and well, and yes. chicken nugget, pickle, and with four delicious sauces, and some golden french fries, and all the and drink, drinks, I'll have an orange juice, or coke, or make a diet coke. And then it just went on and on and on. So, <laughs> to remember that now, um, obviously I've recited it a lot. So, um, but yeah, look, it's, you know, it's, you're in all um, fun and games. I mean, it was always something I suppose that I did, you know, maybe straight after or something, but during the week when you were obviously training. And as I got older, um, you know, and there were a lot of, I wouldn't say fad diets, but just, I suppose, more recent information with um, low GI foods and and I guess just really learning the role that each food plays and um, at what particular time and window within your week or your competition or what, you know, if you're trying to put on a bit more muscle mass and things like that and what role each food plays. I learned another interesting nugget of information about you, uh, oh. Susan, by chance. It was oh. in the lead up to uh, Easter, and uh, and I did hear it mentioned that you have a, a particular fondness for white chocolate. I love white chocolate. I love it. <laughs> but I could not believe that my mum forgot that I was the white chocolate eater and somehow my brother, David, got the white bunny at Christmas. Oh. Oh, sorry, Easter. And I was, I'm like, how could you know say that I'm the white chocolate eater? But yeah, I am a white <laughs> chocolate eater. I actually don't eat a lot of lollies. I don't like lollies. Um, chocolate's probably my main sin. Um, 
But yeah, the white chocolate, I guess, the rich root is the. That's, I mean, that's almost a bit of a, a controversial choice. I know it certainly is with Kevin because oh, even even ugh. the mention of the word white chocolate, he just he shivers as yeah. he's pretending to do now. But yeah. do you, do you like the really high quality stuff, or are you happy with with any kind well, of white I'd chocolate? Probably, I probably stick to um, I like the Cadbury's white chocolate. Probably, um, <laughs> yeah. I think there is a bit of a tape. It is funny at Easter, isn't it? When you think that people across. Um, different brands of chocolate can get a little bit fussy with what they like. Yeah. There is a bit of thick taste, I think, to your rich juleps, to your, um, to your cabaries and all those sorts of things. But, yeah, definitely the white chocolate bunny is more than welcome to be dropped off at um, Meaty Manor. Um, any mm. Easter or wherever we end up being in the caravan, that would be great. I reckon re- well, really good white chocolate are the white chocolate lint balls there to yes. die for. Yeah, with the white chocolate in the middle. I just discovered then, again, being probably a bit of a fussy eater and not wanting to explore too much outside the brands that I do and like. Um, I reckon only last year I discovered them. They're fantastic. Good grief. <laughs> now, coffee's a staple of uh, most of us these days. And if you want to be a, a chocolate snob, you've got to be a coffee snob as well. Are you a coffee uh, drinker? I have never had a coffee in my life. <gasps> really? Never. Never. So my grandmother I mentioned earlier, um, Shirley, she's 98 at the moment. She played a really significant role in our um, uh, upbringing and she was a tea drinker. She's a black tea drinker. But she got me onto tea. So um, not again, not sort of too um, brush in looking at the type of tea, just English breakfast, white with one. Wow. Is, is my go-to. Um, but don't like coffee. I didn't like the smell of it. Um, and I don't know whether it's a good thing, whether I didn't get on it, but some people tell me that it's been, oh, you're lucky that you're not on it because now you're not sort of addicted and relying on it, but then others are like, you don't know what you're missing out on. So you're not tempted to give it a go just as no. an experiment? No? No, not really. I have had a couple of times and my husband is thinking of a comedian at times, decides to swap them over, <laughs> um, give me the coffee and, um, and I have the, uh, Oh, so yeah, he gives me the coffee and he has my tea, and it normally comes out pretty quickly. <laughs> now, you're, you, me- you mentioned you're a mum of four, uh, very active uh, children. Are they fussy eaters like their mother, or, or, or and they're obviously very active uh, kids? So, so where do they where, where do they come in there? Yeah, look, they're all very different. Um, I mean, you've got um, one who you know, and he's like you know, he's on the autism spectrum, so. That was really, really challenging. I suppose getting through um, introducing different foods of a young age of not only taste and texture and colour and all these different sensory things that you would never consider would even, I mean, I suppose I was fussy, but, you know, it was just a totally different level of it. So, to, you know, that was really challenging, um, but come a long way in that, that area. Um, then you've got the Neanderthal caveman second child who was, um, eat a steak by hand, I think, every night if I allowed it. <laughs> you like big T-bone or ribeye in hand. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then Liz eats like a, my daughter eats like a, um, I think I eat bread, something like a daughter's food, eat like a bird, fly like a bird. I, I doubt that that's even true because there's no way he would have got off the ground if he was eating bird food. But um, she's a very light eater, very much a snacker, and I guess that's probably more, I mean, she's very petite. Um, but probably due to her commitment to the gym too. And then little Polly is an eight-year-old. He, he's, he's a little bit 
So I think it's sort of starting to get into a little bit more of his passes and races and all of those sorts of things. Um, just a bit more of a broader sort of spectrum of food. But, you know, it's, it's something that you can sort of think, you know, am I making it hard for myself if I start cooking different meals for different kids? Um, yeah. Probably am. Um, in some cases, you probably had to, but. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's challenging um, at times, and particularly, you know, for other working mums and with busy kids who are sporty, kids who are very active, um, to be able to not only just be organised to get stuff on the plate, but also to be able to get the right things on the plate and just be aware of what they're eating and drinking and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, a couple of fussy ones and a couple that are just probably any roadkill, really, I think Sam would. Anything that's smooth. So you're not into coffee. What about a nice um, alcoholic beverage? Do you like those? Yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, with, um, I don't mind um, some of the mixes. Your bosses and your um, gin, if I'm going to go a little bit hard, but those days are a bit few and far between now. Mm-hmm. But I do love a red wine. Uh, even being down camping recently at Anglesey, that was just beautiful sitting around um, a um, like the gas heater that we had down there, thank God we took that, um, and having, you know, we were getting some of the local wines as well, some of the ones from, you know, like Jack Rabbit down in our area, and like a Shiraz, um, we do like the Cabinillos as well. Yeah. Um, that's probably a good one, although I do have a really bad story of mixing too much red wine with Korean. I would um, love to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, that may not. I, there's a beautiful Korean restaurant in Geelong, Liga, uh, as, as well. And it's, um, yeah, I'd say my oldest son thought it was the food, or I told him it was the food, and that he was going to see them because he was doing civics and citizenship at school and a bit of legal studies. And that, Mum, you can sue them, but I just didn't have the part to tell him that it was probably the two and a half bottles of wine that I'd shared with somebody else. But I do love me. I have always been, uh, I love a state like myself. If I went to a restaurant um, and I had free choice of what was on the menu, um, I do like an ice fillet. Oh. Medium rare. Oh. Probably actually rare medium. Look, you should see Kevin's face when you said medium rare. So Kevin cremates his uh, Just his go, steak. go in the middle of a paddock and bite a cow on the backside. You might as well. <laughs> My husband's the same. He he would he would cremate it as well. He, it's bird. It's never coming back. Um, <laughs> but I'm a bit more, I don't know, I think I like whether it's the texture of being a bit more juicy and, um, yeah, that bit more rawness. Some of them, I look at them and think, oh, that's raw. but. Um, but, yeah, no, it's nice. No. Um, we do have a beautiful butcher down the road that I do, um, whenever I walk through there, um, I just love walking through the butcher. Yeah. Yep. I love all the meat in there, find, yeah. Find a good butcher that you can't go wrong. Now, I've got to ask you, if, if you were having a bit of a, a soiree at the um, Meany Mansion, um, who would get invited? Who would who would get a Guernsey to your dream dinner party? My dream dinner party? Um... Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I was growing up. I idolised from an athlete point of view, Steffi Graf. Yeah. Um, so she would be interesting, and she's someone that hasn't sort of stayed in the limelight too much, which we don't sort of mind either. Um, I'd be interested to see see um, her. Um, she could bring Andre she, Agassi along. She could Andre and his wig that could come <laughs> along. That looks like Rory Kilty. Um. um 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, like, I mean, obviously, I love having my family over, but you know, like, I like reading as well. As I've got older, um, I've enjoyed sort of reading um, different sort of types of books and stuff. I like listening to um, Ben Craig um, talk and that as well. He'd be interesting to sort of have over. As far as out there people, maybe Pink would be interesting. See what she'd have. She'd mix it up a little bit. Yep. Um, why don't we? If Ted Lasso was actually a human being, why would invite Ted Lasso for sure? <laughs> That'd be a very interesting mix. Yeah. Very yeah. entertaining. Now, well, yeah. Oh, maybe Adele. Adele could come in too. Although she might not eat much food, so. You're uh, you're involved uh, in coaching uh, netball at Vixens level and also in a really advanced school program through the Western Heights College. Um, uh, the future of netball just uh, is it in really good shape, and are we going to see it sort of blossom because of the male participation that's coming through in netball? Oh, look, I'd love to see men's netball continue to, to flourish, and I think it's probably going to have to stay connected with the women. For a while, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I think from putting it on an international stage, you know, if the, if the women's already holding their international series, it makes perfect sense um, from a financial and logistics point of view to hold the men's international tests at the same time and then just grow that fan base. But also, it's like anything, you can't see. If you don't see it, you can't be it. So, you know, for all those young aspiring males out there who enjoy playing netball and would like to go to a higher level, um, you know, that's a real growth area um, that needs to happen. If, and if they want to have netball as a demonstration sport in Brisbane at the Olympics, then, you know, they'll have to probably deliver on being able to provide that environment and for that to be up and running to, I think, get the tick there. Um, look, in a, it's in a good spot. There's been a lot of publicity with, obviously, the Gina Reinhardt, Hancock prospecting situation, Um you know, there's always controversy in any sport, I think. Um, sometimes bad publicity is not necessarily um, a bad thing. It's just mm. ensuring, I guess, behind the scenes that the right people are in place having the right conversations. At the moment, I would say there's a lot more work to be done between the relationship with Netball Australia and the Players Association to ensure that they do have a closer working relationship that probably is a little bit more, um, I guess, positive and connected and on the same page, it just seems to be a little bit um, disconnected at the moment, which is probably hurting both sides of the party and um, and, and the game a little bit, but you know, I think there's, there's for the right people in those positions to take that forward in a good way. Yeah, good. Uh, Susan, usually to, to finish up, we like to ask our guests uh, if they have a kitchen or a cooking tip to share. Oh, a kitchen or a cooking tip to share. <laughs> I've got a cleaning tip, which yeah. is wait till your mother comes over to babysit and then go, oh, geez, I've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> um, that's one. Uh, but, oh, dear, cleaning tip. Well, look, I used to be really, I was such an impatient cook, so I just wanted to cook, but yeah, I'd crank it up so hot and not be patient. So everything would either burn or it would be too hard. So I've learned over time to be. Um, that the reason it's written on a recipe to be at a certain degree is probably for a reason. <laughs> um, You're in a rush so, to get it done. <laughs> yeah, I just want it done. Like typical athletes, just want it done. You're going to go 100 miles an hour and, you know, full risk and, yeah, probably didn't get the reward from a certain perspective. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I suppose, yeah, if anyone else can clean, I'm happy for that. As far as cooking, um, you know, 
Uh, there's always something that's in the make and um, it's actually quite exciting to spend all the time on the pantry down um, when we've had too much stored and just trying to find um, ways to be creative and sometimes you have that slap together meal of whatever you've got left and, and um, that's probably my specialty of being a bit creative. I don't think anyone else would eat it, but... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's excellent. That's very, very, very good, good advice. Thank you, Susan. Lovely to catch up and uh, good luck uh, to you and the Vixens uh, for the uh, the season ahead. Thank you. Fantastic. Lovely to speak to you guys and um, I'll catch you at a Macca's soon. <laughs> Thanks, Susan. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. There you go. Well, World ah. Cup year, and hopefully uh, the Aussies, the Diamonds, will bring home the goodies from South Africa. That little Macca spiel she recited, <laughs> I don't believe I was familiar with that, no. but I was i was spellbound as she was doing it. <laughs> it's a special skill to know where every McDonald's is in the state of Victoria. I love that. I love that. And Good I love that she has a um, an affinity with, uh, with white chocolate too. No, I don't. Yeah, no, you uh, don't. No, I don't. White, white chocolate is – and I wasn't oh, feigning shivering. I actually – I You do. shuddered. The two things you two mentioned then was white chocolate and undercooked steak. Oh, a white chocolate lint ball is really nothing better. That is my – that is uh, uh, that is probably my uh, culinary <laughs> nightmare, an undercooked bleeding steak and a bloody white chocolate. What, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you could put in the middle of that to actually mess it up even more. I know, a Brussels sprout. Maybe we could put an undercooked steak up against white chocolate in the food poll yeah, one day. We might do that, but let's get to the food poll. Yes. Uh, and it is uh, an interesting one. From your Hass avocado yep. versus your shepherd avocado. All right. Okay, Joylene, do I really have to choose? Mmm, shepherd. There you go. There you go. Silvana says, look, I didn't realise there was a choice. Oh. I always seem to buy Hass. Glenn Driscoll says, has, 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 has in caps. Uh, Terry says, look, neither for me. I'm not a fan of avocados at all. And you can blame the Sydney Royal Easter show, not the one just gone, the one in 1970. Oh, I wonder what happened then. <laughs> oh, do tell, Terry. Yeah. Rebecca says, uh, I prefer Hass as I find them creamier. That's true. But it is hard. They are hard to come by here, which is in Thailand. Um, all the locally grown are shepherd, which seems to be hard for ages, as we were talking about. And then all of a sudden they go soft. They do, literally overnight. Drives me a bit crazy. Drives everyone crazy. Jane Barnes says, both thank you. They're good for guacamole. They sure are. Guacamole. Yes. Jane Holmes says, Pass, please. Shepherd is always disappointing. Colin says, a roll on the hash season. Jackie says, absolutely agree. I hate shepherd season. I didn't oh. realise we had an avocado <laughs> season with him. It doesn't bother Joe, uh, Joe Dr. Joe, because he says neither. Candace White, Hass. Hope says, Shepherd, the skin peels off easily and neatly. It's good for when you're trying to shape the avo into a rose for food pics on Insta. <laughs> yes, good on you, Really? <laughs> really, Hope? <laughs> Jim Wilson says, Hass by a country mile. And Peacock says both. Glenn Rodder, I don't care, Pato. I don't eat them very often. Caroline says, look, it was always Hass for me. Now I love both. Different, similar, both delicious cracked pepper and a squeeze of yeah, lemon I'll yeah i'll go with that and go. some sea salt i put on mine oh yeah yeah daz smith says i didn't realize i had a choice tony bennett says has by a country mile mm. why are the shepherds always so hard uh, they're hard as a rock also, where have all the Hass ones gone? Yeah. They've disappeared. It's like it's not Hass season anymore. Must it's shepherd be. season. It's like duck season and rabbit season. <laughs> duck fever, Tina. rabbit fever, duck fever. Tina says Hass. <laughs> duck fever, rabbit fever. No, uh, don't you be doing 
your elbow fud next. Uh, Devon says has better flavour and better texture. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really yeah. important. When they get all stringy, I don't like them. <laughs> Is that you know? That's why they get stringy and bruised. Duck season and rough. <laughs> Lydia says avocado, neither. It is green slime. Oh, okay. Sydney says uh, any avo that I don't physically have to peel or prepare myself. You whip them over, Cindy, and you just press your thumb in and you pop the stone out. Yeah, you do. It's a good hack. Sue Hosking says neither. Uh, Stasha says eating avo on toast right now. Yummo. But doesn't actually say which one. Mm, Avo on toast with a bit of crumbled feta. Karen says Hass. Uh, Leonie says Hass. Michelle says neither. Ew. Mm, interesting. Well, now the result. Here we go. The oh, result is oh. uh, people who said both, that was 4%. People yeah. who said I don't want either of them, uh, 20%. Yep. Shepard, as that should Shephard. be called, should be called Shepard. No, it's Shepard. It hasn't got an H in it. It should be Shepard. There's no, is it? No. Yes, it should be because they're always I, hard. I, oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, took a while. Um <laughs> 11%, a lowly 11% for Shephard. Um, and Haas or hard. <laughs> well, no, not Haas. Uh, Haas, 65%. Oh, that's a massive, that is a massive victory for the that Haas. And look, you know, to, to, to weigh them up, just briefly, the Haas, I find, are, are creamier of texture, yep. as Davin pointed out. Yep. Um, the problem is they, they, um, they do tend to go stringy, which the Shepherd don't. Yes, um, and the shepherd, but the shepherd's not as tasty. The shepherd's not as tasty, but it also doesn't go off as quickly as a hass. If you cut your shepherd in half, it doesn't go brown in the fridge in the same way that the hass does. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I, yeah. For taste, always hass, but for for practicality, probably the shepherd. But in wins. both cases, you've got to get them right on the money. They've got to be. Right at the right time to eat them. I'm available for us uh, for the shopping complexes. Uh, I'm available to but go. There's I'll nothing put, worse I'll when put the you sticker on. when you cut open a Haas or a Shepherd, which from the outside you think is going to be perfect, yeah, and then there. there's a big uh, blotch of some description on the inside. Yeah, not good. Not good. Very tricky little. Are they vegetable or fruit? They're a fruit. Ah, there you go. Very tricky fruit, the avocado. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Well, tomatoes are fruit, so <laughs> avocado's got to be. Okay. All right, that's uh, Food Bites. they should make an avocado-flavoured ice cream. Do they, have they made those? Yes, mm. and it wouldn't be very tasty, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. Don't forget, uh, plenty more podcasts where you found yes. this one with a whole lot of uh, very interesting people and a superb guest in Melissa Leong coming mm. up on the next episode of Food Bites. We look forward to your company then. And yours. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips, and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.